Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 87 of the Review Movie Podcast. I'm Ivan Kander, and as always, I'm joined by my two handsome debonair co-hosts, Dave Glanz and Mike Mirandi. Uh, say hello, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> hello, hello, gentlemen. gentlemen. No, I was uh, reaching for my... this whole podcast in this voice. Oh, please don't. <laughs> that <laughs> bit got old after 15 <laughs> seconds. Um, sorry, I was reaching for my glass of water, and now I have it. This is the podcast... On we the talk... floor. Yes. And this is where we talk about <laughs> classic movies in a modern cinematic context. If you want to reach us on the web, you can do so at facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast. You can email us at contact at reviewedpodcast.com. And... Um, I'm trying to feel like I'm missing something. Oh, we can go to reviewedpodcast.com if you just want to head to our website. So there you go. And on today's episode, it's been a while since we recorded. We apologize. Seems just, like we do this every three weeks now. Yeah, you know, we're just busy people. <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever. Look, when, you, when the, you're this talented and this good looking as we are, I, we're always in demand. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, Mike especially. But anyway, um, well. on this episode, we are going to be talking about Clint Eastwood's 1992 film, I believe. Yes. Uh, Yes, I'm sorry. Ron Bergen. Okay, yeah, great. Um, the Unforgiven. Oh, sorry, not no, the... not the Unforgiven. Unforgiven. Unforgiven, excuse me. Step over to the office and get the bullwhip. A whipping? That's all they get after what they've done? Get out of there! It was a matter of honor. They're paying $1,000 to whatever kills the two boys that cut up Delilah. In a time when lawmen were killers. What are y'all looking at? You English Bob. Outlaws were heroes. Well, I thought that you were dead. Hell, I even thought I was dead. Till I found out it was just in Nebraska. And a bad reputation. You're the one who killed William Harvey and robbed that train over Missouri? Was as good as gold. My guess is you're calling yourself Mr. William Money. Say what? You don't look no meaner than hell, cold-blooded damn killer. I ain't like that anymore, kid. And the Unforgiven, I keep doing that. I don't know. It's like Pixies. Like it's not the Pixies. It's just Pixies. I keep on Is doing it? it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it just feels like it needs an article, but I guess not. Unforgiven uh, is about a retile, retired Old West gunslinger named Retiled? William. I can't talk retiled. today. I, I, something's <laughs> wrong with me. So he's like a remodeled bathroom. Actually, not not un, not incorrect. He's sort of retiled in, in a sense. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, a retired Old West gunslinger named William Money reluctantly takes on one last job with the help of his old partner and a young man. That's what a I am. Young IMDb's. man? Yeah, that's a. Is weird... that what it says? Yeah. Young, yeah. young man. <laughs> it is a young man. <laughs> that poor actor, uh, James Wolvet, known as Young Man. Is, you know, has he done? Has he done a lot after? <laughs> no, this? no, no. The, the actor is uh, has not been in a lot. Yeah, it's kind of weird, actually. Anywho, um, one could get him mixed up with Young Christian Slater. I would say <laughs> they could. One could not. One, <laughs> one could. Um, uh, can you turn Mike up still? Is he still like, crazy low to you? Is he loud for Should you? I just He's bring loud up my for volume. Me. Is oh, then I'm just all fudged. Anyway. Uh, anyway. So, yeah. Unforgiven. <laughs> Talk is, louder, Mike. <laughs> yeah. This is, uh, Should this, I just bring up my mic? I mean, <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's, not, it's obviously not your problem. It's mine. Um, this movie uh, was a critical darling. It's kind of what cemented... Clint Eastwood is an A-list um, director, and I mean that in a way that Clint Eastwood had directed movies prior to Unforgiven. But this is the movie that, like, he became like the guy that made Oscar winners after this, right. and he ended up creating. You know, this is after this he ends up doing Million Dollar Baby and Mystic River, Mystic River, Flags like, of Our Fathers, Iwo Jima. Yeah, big movies after that. Uh, after this, which I think is really interesting. Um, like he—he's he, not like he made like bad movies prior to that, but I feel like he made like genre pictures that people would be like, "Oh, it's an entertaining watch." But this is like the movie. And he continued to make a—he was—he's a prolific filmmaker. He made a lot of so-so movies in the past twenty-five years too. Yeah, he's made a lot of <laughs> movies actually. I'm looking at his filmography, yeah. um, so it's kind of interesting to talk about that and like why was this the movie that everyone's like, "Oh man, Clint Eastwood's the guy." Um, it's also interesting to look at as a deconstructionist western. There's a lot to talk about here. But Dave, you chose this. Why did you choose it? Dan, what are your feelings about Unforgiven? Uh, well, it's it, I tend to like to choose movies that are celebrating some kind of big anniversary, obviously. So it's been 25 years since this movie came out almost exactly. I, I remember coming, seeing it in the theater um, because it was so critically acclaimed. And this was just when I was 
really becoming interested in critically acclaimed, you know, movies and and, and directors that had interesting things to say, and um, you know, and westerns too. I mean, I it's they did there weren't really a lot of westerns in um, in the late '80s, early '90s, and this was uh, one of the exceptions. Um, and uh, so I remember seeing this in the theater uh, and coming out of it uh, liking it, not necessarily loving it. And I was a little bit surprised when it was nominated for as many Oscars as it was. And the fact that it won Best Picture and Best Supporting Actor and Director, uh, I was, you know, uh, I thought, well, okay. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. It's a pretty good movie. But over the years, it's one of those movies I feel like that grows and uh, grows um it becomes more interesting to watch as time goes by, especially growing older. I feel like a lot of the themes of the movie uh, make more sense to, uh, you know, another, uh, you know, once you've had more life experience, I would say, um, you know, you, you really understand the, the plight of this guy. And uh, once you've seen more Westerns and more movies, it's commenting on a lot. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, there's a lot of layers to this movie. I mean, it's commenting on masculinity. It's comment. It's, it's, uh, it's, 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 uh, talking about uh, the Western genre itself, uh, Clint Eastwood as an icon. Um, you know, there's a, lot to, there's a lot to unpack. And, you know, when you're, I was 16 when I saw it, I didn't really understand the history of Clint Eastwood and, and Westerns at that point. Uh, but having seen it, you know, many times since, um, it's, it, it all, it, it's one of those movies that really retains its power for me. I, I consider it a, a great movie. Um, and uh, I, I would think that if someone just saw for the first time now, it's probably worth checking out again. I mean, Mike, I don't know if this is your first time seeing it, uh, but I've I've always found this, uh, you know, I, I, it's one of those movies where I feel, am you, know, I feel at the same, I feel thrilled at the, at the uh, violence it's showing, maybe, but but also sad about you know, it's it's a movie that's very concerned with the effects of violence and um, you know your past catching up with you and that kind of stuff. Um, so uh, you know, I yeah, I I. You, it, Wait, wait, hold on. Uh, well, anyway, um, so that's those are my general feelings on it. Well, Mike, this is, um, in my opinion, I feel like if I were to, you know, take a guess about what you thought about it, I feel like this is like right up the Mirandi Alley uh, because of huh. the way it reckons with. Doesn't sound it, like it. Oh, interesting. Because it, it, it's talking about the nature of like what good is, like what makes a good person, like that, and that's like right. Your, that's like your catnip. You love like the yeah, duality. Yeah, no, that, that is my, that is my dream. Actually, really, what makes a bad person? I would say. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, exactly well, the, the idea of morality. Yeah, it, um, I, I this is the second time I've seen this movie. I saw it in college. Um, I I really liked it in college, and I I, I liked it now too. I I think maybe it had the whole effect of like when you like something too much too far away you start like you know inflating it in your own head i'm like oh i'm forgiven it's an amazing movie oh my god and it was i think it was good i think i exaggerated how well i liked it in my own mind but i i did like it i think it's uh man i think it's really good it's tough to watch like it's really sad it's mm-hmm. really sad um i was kind of I, I can't remember the last time i was actually depressed after watching a movie and i was kind of <laughs> like oh man like everyone just kind of gets screwed everyone gets screwed for them i mean not everybody but um I mean, one can argue that no one really gets out of this movie really unscathed. I feel like, Especially yeah, William Morgan Money. Especially Morgan Freeman. Hey, yeah. oh. Boy. <laughs> What's that? Especially Morgan Freeman. Uh, yeah, well, him yeah. a little bit. Like, everybody. I mean, the only people I feel like you get, that get out of it okay are the, um, the prostitutes. But I feel like in some way, I don't know. There's a lot of interesting stuff that happens. And I'm like, I'm not sure why exactly that person reacted that way to that particular event but uh, we can dive into that later but overall I think the performances are great I think um, uh, Clint Eastwood's performances sometimes are great and then other times are a little weird did you guys feel that way? Why, like, in this movie or in general? As a as yeah an like are you talking about no 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 in this, in, in this movie um, because I think he like in some scenes I, I, I get that he's kind of playing like a simple kind of quiet man and sometimes his lines like yeah, I guess so. Suppose so. Sometimes it works. In other scenes, it just seemed like he just, <laughs> well, just wasn't really trying. Like, he really didn't show up that day. He kind of floated <laughs> it in. And well, <laughs> I feel like that a lot of the, the, the dialogue in this movie is written in a, in a kind of a simplistic way on purpose. Oh, yeah. To echo oh, of course. the way uh, dialogue was written for older Westerns. And so when they talk well, like that. I think that, also, too, the characters are all not very well educated. Like, they're all very simple. They're kind of all simpletons in some way. You know, they might be street smart, but they're not very well educated. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's like that's a perfect example of Gene Hackman's character, Little Bill. Mm-hmm. He's like the perfect example <laughs> of having of street, 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 street smart, but not duck. I says, but not uh, book smart. <laughs> but I mean, the the movie itself. I think the reason it's it's resonated so much and why it won all those Oscars and all that is it's 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 both interesting on a uh, storytelling level and a meta level because, as Dave said, I mean, the movie is a reflection on Clint Eastwood as a major Western actor, you know, appearing in some of the most iconic Western movies of all time. And this movie is totally a deconstruction of the with, of the genre. And it's basically making you look at what the mythos of a Western is and making you feel bad about it in a lot of ways, right. mm, um, which yeah. I think is, is kind of interesting. And when you said it made you feel depressed, I, yeah, I think it's kind of supposed to. Um, it, it, it's... It's not a complex movie, but it incites complex emotions, is what I would say. Hmm. Like I don't think anything yeah. it's saying is very subtle. It's it's pretty no, overt. It, it, it's very very overt about what it's trying to do. It's not a movie that you have to like. That it's not a movie that uh, um, an average audience member can understand. I think even your most basic viewer gets the point. I mean, the most famous line of dollar movies. It's a hell of a thing killing a man. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's 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 wearing it on the sleeve, you know. Yeah, it, it know, is it, not a subtle movie, but I think that it makes you kind of ponder about like the nature of these things afterwards, or at least it did for me. And and the thing that I think, you know, when I first saw this movie, I didn't understand. There's a character in it, um, uh, English Bob, R- Richard Harris, right? Um, which I didn't. Yeah. Oh yeah, Richard Harris. Good yeah. call. For some reason, I didn't pick that up, but. Uh, I didn't understand his role in the movie when I first saw it because it seems odd structurally from a screenplay level be- uh, yeah. because our heroes never meet English Bob. Right. Like he literally is gone before the main characters even interact with him. And a, a large portion of the screen is devoted to this character. Mm-hmm. And I realized now after viewing it this time is that if this movie is a deconstructionist Western, it's ne- it needs to take the hero of the gunslinger, the book, the guy that you would read about in a penny paperback you know, the one that they would have made a serial radio show of in the 1950s. And they need to make him pathetic. Right. Like they need to they need to take that mythos and make it pathetic. And English Bob is the perfect example that he shows up. He's shooting things off the train like he's like the best gunman in the world. Mm-hmm. And then as soon yeah. as you like put him in a situation like he, and he like you, you the entire time you're expecting Bob to do something to Bill that Bill isn't expecting or to, you know, to be prove that he's. Actually worth his salt. Gene Hackman. Yeah, played by Gene Hackman. Right. Probably what I would argue the best performance in the movie. Um, he's the sheriff of uh, Big Whiskey. Or maybe he has the showiest performance in the movie, but he's definitely inter- most entertaining to look at on screen, I would say. Um, and he's not. He's just pathetic the entire time, and he gets sent away on a coach. He even loses his freaking uh, you know, paparazzi guy that's following him around yeah. to write about him. So, like, and all without ever encountering Clint Eastwood's character. And I realized that's really interesting that the movie is doing literally everything, sorry, I got a text message, literally doing everything it can to make the Western feel, I don't, uh, I don't want to say gross is the wrong word, but it's. I, I would, yeah, I think so. You think gross is the right word? <laughs> I think gross, yeah, because it's, there's a lot of like, you know, he goes from being this like, yeah, you're saying on the train, he's this like sharpshooter, he's this badass, then when he's out on the, the, on the porch and he's getting his guns taken away from there's a lot of like witty repartee, there's a lot of like, you know, oh, you're not going to leave me at the mercy of my enemies, and all of a sudden he's getting his ass kicked and he's bleeding out and he's in a jail cell crusted with blood. And then you're hearing the story of his heroism and how sad and pathetic and, and like disgusting it is. I, I I think in some way, everything here is sort of made to look gross. I mean, when you think about what they do, they kill two men, like in a way that's really kind of sad. Like they don't right. confront that, them face I think to It's face. very much intentional. I mean, yeah. they literally yeah. kill a man on the toilet. Like they kill the, the toilet and then they sh- and they shoot it. They shoot. Uh, and so the whole idea here is like they're they're uh, they're hired by prostitutes to kill two cowboys who cut up one of the prostitutes right and uh and the first time they get around to killing one i mean they don't just shoot him there's no heroic music there's a guy crying in the desert uh, crawling behind a rock and his friends are like what's going on what you shot you shot i mean it's it's, it's way more concerned with like uh like how people feel about killing and what happens after you actually shoot and it's also an accurate i mean it what do I know? But it's a more accurate reflection of what being in a traumatic situation is actually like. Like, there's this mythos of that movies have created of, like, the John Wick, right? Like, of the guy that, you know, kills and it's cool and he, he's a freaking badass. And this makes killing feel gross and ugly and 
really unglamorous. Like Almost it, any Clint Eastwood movie 20 years prior to this movie, you could say. Uh, yeah, the I mean, all the, the, mm. all the, uh, the, uh, the, the Fistful of Dollars Dirty trilogy. Harry movies, the Spaghetti Westerns, the, uh, you know, Josie Wales. Which um, is why I say, like, why this movie is so interesting on a meta level, because you literally have the most famous, apart from John Wayne, probably the most famous actor of Westerns in American cinema, um, playing a character that's deconstructing what he's already created, which I think is really kind of fascinating. And he's obviously, yeah. and he directed this movie. Like, obviously he's has something to say about that. And maybe it's a reflection of being older at that time and all that kind of stuff. I will say, I mean, the movie is crazy unsubtle. Like it, it is bonkers <laughs> how unsubtle it is. Like yeah, yeah, the first yeah. time like the you see William Money, like, movies are, I would say. well, I mean, I kind of want to talk about that a little bit because William Money, the first time you see him, he's literally covered in pig shit. Like he, like you cannot make <laughs> anything less glamour. Like he is, he has gone out of his way to make the movie. Um, and, and this is like, maybe, maybe this is a unfair criticism of the film, but do you think the reason this movie did so well at the Oscars is because it's it's kind of easy to distill? Like it's it's saying something important. I don't deny that, and I think it's really well made. But it's like it's like the kind of movie you're like, oh yeah, that's an award winner because it's easy to decipher. You know? Maybe I feel like this movie is like lightning striking. You know, uh, where it's just you know all the elements just kind of fell into place perfectly. Like this, it's a, it's like a very simple poetic story. Uh, he, he, he didn't fuck up the direction. He found actors who could really uh, deliver. Uh, he, he found a, a, in this, they got the cinematography right. They got the sound design. I thought the sound design is incredible in this movie. Um, and uh, the music is beautiful. I mean, it's just every, they got almost every element right in this movie. And, you know, I'm sure there's some criticisms of it, but, you know, every time I watch this movie, it, it doesn't, it, there's nothing where I say, oh, well, that doesn't quite work as well as it used to. I mean, Yes, some of Clint, some of the line deliveries are a little uh, simple, or maybe not as realistic uh, as they they might have been with a with maybe a, a better actor than Clint Eastwood. But I feel like uh, he makes all those lines at least believable. Um, yeah, no, I don't really have like a huge issue. I think he overall, uh, I think he does a good job as as a character who uh, a reformed killer. I think that makes sense. Um, like Ivan was saying, one of the lines too. It was wasn't even actually said by him. It was the, the the Schofield kid says it when he's like decides that, you know, oh hey, why don't you take my gun? Um, if he just says here, take my gun, keep it. I think that's enough. But he's like, exactly, you can have it. I don't <laughs> I, want it anymore. I, I kill I'm never going to shoot a gun again. Right. I'm never going to kill a man again. I'm like, yeah, we we knew, we knew that. <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> like, we got we, it. <laughs> we got it yeah. when you freaked out when your face alone said. I, I think that's got. I guess my big criticism of this movie is just. I wish it was a little bit more subtle with those kind of moments. And like the the thing I'm looking at is I'm looking at his filmography now and I'm thinking about a movie like Gran Torino, which I think fits really well into the unforgiven in the sense that I think I actually enjoy Gran Torino. I don't think it's, I don't a, like it. I think it's, I, I, I understand why people like that movie, but it's crazy. It, it is the most unsubtle movie you've ever seen in your entire right. life. And like, and I mean, what is your favorite Clint Eastwood movie? Is this your favorite Clint Eastwood movie? Uh, what are your thoughts on Million Dollar three, Baby? Okay, so my three favorite movies that he's directed would be uh, Million Dollar Baby, uh, A Perfect World, and Unforgiven. Well, I haven't seen A Perfect World. Perfect World is this movie that the movie that he made following Unforgiven with Kevin Costner, actually. Oh, I should check that out. Which reminds me that one of the, maybe one of the reasons this movie ended up, you know, so the critics really like. Did this you movie. say Mr. River? No, no, not Mr. River. Uh, uh, A Perfect World. A Perfect World. But I do like Mr. River though. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well enough. Uh, I, I feel like well, so this movie is just two years after Dances with Wolves, which was uh, one of the first Westerns to win best pick, if you, if you consider that a Western, which a lot of people do. Um, one of the first Westerns to win best picture at that point in a few decades. And uh, so I think the Westerns were on a little bit of a comeback at this point. Mike, you there? Yeah. Mike's very quiet. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm just listening to you. Yeah, anyway, yes. You anyway, so a perfect a perfect world is an interesting movie. If, you, if, if if anyone out there, it's 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 one that gets forgotten for whatever reason, but uh, it's pretty decent. Laura Dern's in it. Uh, Clint Eastwood, Kevin Costner. Uh, it's about uh, Kevin Costner plays this criminal who kidnaps uh, a little boy, and it's about their relationship. And Clint Eastwood is the lawman who's chasing him. Uh, Clint Eastwood, you know, doing the typical Clint Eastwood thing. <laughs> you know? Well, uh, well, this isn't. Well, I want to talk about one other thing about this movie that kind of struck me when watching it is sure. it's, you know, it's 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 
realistic in the sense that it, it handles violence realistically, but it's also pretty much goreless. Did you guys notice that? Yeah. Like there's opportunities yeah. to show like like so if Cronenberg had directed this movie when oh, he shot it. little Bill, you would have seen his head explode. And it yeah. would have been like gross and disgusting and realistic. Right. And but you never he always cuts away from the actually showing real violence. It's like, not really his concern though. Like Cronenberg is like as a director and but if an the artist go- is very interested in like bodily No, no, okay. Well, I mean Cronenberg's a bad example because he's so obsessed with body horror, but right. I guess my question is, if the goal of this movie is to depict to the unromantic... Why the, not show... If the, yeah, yeah. If, if, if it's to be so unromantic in its depiction of what the Western was and how disgusting it is to kill a man, why not show how disgusting it is like on screen yeah, at a kill I think man? it's more about the emotions and the feelings of, of killing more than the actual physical uh, aspects of it, I, w- I would say. I mean... I, 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 I think, yeah, I think the... the Exactly. I think, Dave, it's easy for somebody who watched the movie to, if you're into that kind of stuff, be like, oh, dude, he totally blew his head off. That's awesome. But instead, focus on the actual, the, the uh, not, not response, what's the, the effect of what happens to people who do it. So it's less about the actual act, but more of like the effects of that act. Um, you know, and, and what's interesting, even what uh, you don't see, uh, you don't see Ned die either. You don't see, you see him getting whipped, right. but when he's actually getting his head kicked in, whatever it was that, he, that killed him, you don't see it. You just oh, next thing you know, you hear he's dead, and then you see him in the in the uh, in the coffin. And um, which, by the way, I got to say, he actually looks fine for someone who got beat to death. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm okay with that. Like, I don't, to, I don't think we need <laughs> well, the gore. That, well, but that, like, I mean, that yeah. again, pretty that, dark and rainy when you, when you see well, it. Well, I mean, I think that goes into my point, though, Mike. Is like you would expect yeah. in a, I don't know. I think there is a version in this movie when they cut to that shot of Ned, he looks disgusting. And he doesn't. Right. Like, it, yeah. It's interesting that choice was made. I'm not saying it's the wrong choice. In fact, I'd much rather watch a movie where I don't have to be exposed to that because I'm a weenie and I don't like. I just don't like watching gross things. And I know that. I, I don't like. Yeah, I don't like. But I, either, I, so. I mean, is that is that too much for a movie that's trying to deconstruct movies? It feels like a very movie convention not to show it. That's all I'm saying. But I don't know. Possibly. Um, I mean, this was this was made before uh, something like Saving Private Ryan, which really got it in, into the the after the violent aspects of combat which in a is, way that m- most movies hadn't. And that's really interesting coming from a filmmaker like Spielberg, because Spielberg is known for being the saccharine guy that's too right. scared to show that stuff. Right. Well, he had made Schindler's List, which had a lot of but even similar sh- violence. But Schindler's this was a huge step for him cinematically. Right. So, right. Um, but I I, I don't know. Uh, so, what your thoughts, Mike? What are your thoughts on? Clint Eastwood as a filmmaker. Have you seen other movies by him? Nope. No, I've saw bits of Gran Torino. Um, you haven't seen Million, Million Dollar Baby? No, I just never. I, it was one of those things. It it, it, it came out. I've been meaning to see it, and I just never did, and now never will, I guess. Yeah, why? <laughs> no, I would, no, I guess oh, I, because, I, I, I would oh, yeah, like to. We should talk about Clint Eastwood and one of the other reasons I wanted to talk about this. Because is, of his personal life. Well, not his personal life. His politics. I mean, it's in, you know. No, politics. We don't no, want to talk too much to do about with it. Him, is, is that what you mean? Is that you, you don't, don't want to watch it? I mean, could, personally, I No, feel I feel like, like at this point it's gotten so far away from me that I probably won't ever get to see it. Um, okay. I, I have nothing against it. I think it would be an interesting movie because I've heard great things about it. But It's a, it's one of those best picture ones that, that gets uh, shat on a little bit uh, because I, I think it, you know, it's not as universally uh, loved in the way that Unforgiven is. Even though it won best picture, it, it really uh, was a big deal, the that that winter when it came out but uh you know a lot of people you know i remember seeing the only dollar baby and and after the movie just shaking like i it would you know i found it very moving personally in a way that unforgiven you know i don't find it like emotionally um you know i don't feel emotionally wrecked after watching unforgiven but i certainly did after million dollar baby and if we ever talk about the movie we can talk about why but um there's uh, you know it's, it's another movie that kind of takes clint eastwood's the mythos of clint eastwood and and kind of flips it on its head a little bit. Um, have you seen? I have. Okay. I, I I remember. I remember feeling it felt forced to me. Yeah. Well, it de- it's definitely it's not like, subtle, like you said. It, well, I mean, he's not a subtle filmmaker. But I remember that movie. I was just like, yeah, I get it. It's supposed to be sad. Like yeah. that was like I was like I was also like a punk kid when I saw oh, it, and okay. like I was a real. I had a chip on my shoulder, so maybe I'd respond to it more now. But that movie didn't quite resonate with me as much as I would like. What about Mystic River? That's one of his uh, other you know, ones. Man, I think I've seen that once, but I remember being like, it was fine. I don't yeah. know. Like, I didn't love that movie either. I, I, I think that Sean Penn does um, an overacting Sean Penn in that movie, which kind of turned yeah. me off. Like he, Sean Penn's a very busy actor, which I don't like. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. Like I think of all Clint Eastwood's stuff, 
Um, God, I haven't seen a. He's made a lot of movies recently that I have not seen. Yeah. Actually, I'm an. I'm. I think Changeling is an underrated movie. I actually enjoyed that. The Angelina Jolie movie. I thought. Let, I well. thought Letters of Iwo Jima was real snooze fest. Really, uh, I really liked that one. Uh, I think that movie. <laughs> I think Flags of Our Fathers is a snooze fest too. But yeah, I, think, I thought that one was. Uh, so uh, maybe Iwo Jima is the better of those two, but I think both those movies are real snooze fests. Okay. Um, <laughs> Um, but you have to admire the ambition of making two World War II movies. And I think time. it's and I think it's dope that he's trying to represent the other side, which doesn't get yeah. seen a lot. Which I think it's, I wanted it's so to lo- frustrating to to see that kind of thing from Clint Eastwood, and then you know I'm sorry to bring up politics again, but then for him to like support somebody like Donald Trump and, oh, you know, and, and Mitt Romney, and, and you know not, not, Mitt Romney looks like you know. Whatever. Old old white men, old white men, man. I mean, he's an old white guy. Like he's how old is he? He's like eighty. There's a lot of old white men that don't like Donald Trump, as you as you well know. Um, I guess I feel like the, that's like his prime demographic. Yeah, is old he's, white. He's eighty seven years old. I just have to assume that a lot of it's due to senility. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, it's like I, you know, any artist that actually went out of their way to to vocally support uh, Donald Trump, who, you know. It's, it's, I mean, you're not no longer a Scott. Ba- you were a big Bayo fan, and then as soon as Scott Bayo, <laughs> that poster went right down Scott off the wall. You were a Bayo fan, yeah? What, no, is, what no, has no, he no. done? Dave is a huge Bayo fan. Don't oh, let him. God. Don't let him lie to you. He loves it's, the Bayo. Yeah, it, and it, I, I guess so. You can see some of these movies and think, well, this is someone who has a very. Uh, Who's a very thoughtful person? Yeah, right? your point is that how can someone intelligent? Right, he's obviously not a dumb guy. Right, he's so. not a dumb guy, and and not only that, but he it seems like uh, the things that he's interested in are are uh, understanding both sides of the story. Like he's interested in, in Unforgiven. He's interested in um, why it, it's so thrilling to watch westerns, but at the same time, he's he's interested in. Uh, well, what are the results of the, these legends when we just read these stories and we go out uh, killing people and we see how horrible it is? I mean, what, what you know, uh, that's something we need to think about and examine and, and um, yeah, not elect Donald Trump. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe he's anti saccharin, maybe he's he's gritty reality. And I mean, well, Donald but, he, Trump but is he still taps gritty. in. No, but I, I think that's wrong too because like million dollar babies, he's tapping Definitely into, saccharin, he's yeah. real, he taps into that. Like, right. he, he, I, I think him is that he's the he's like a perfect example of a guy who's like a no nonsense. He's he's known for finishing his films early. He mm-hmm. doesn't do many takes. Mm-hmm. Like he's like I'm I'm a guy. You call me, I get the job done. I tell a story simply and well. Conservative, and I, if you will. Yeah, he's a conservative yeah. filmmaker. Yeah, he's not a sh- he's not a showy. I mean, this is not a showy movie. I mean, there are pretty shots in this movie. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of the hard work is done by how beautiful the landscapes are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, that's what I mean. It's just lovely to see these kind of landscapes on screen, but it's not like any of the, the sequences are shot in, in such a dynamic way that you remember. Like he's not a showy filmmaker; he doesn't show off. Uh, uh, yeah, that's true. But in this, in this, you're right. This movie, the landscapes do the work for him, I would say. But at the same time, so does I mean the sound design in this movie. I mean the the sound of the rolling thunder coming and the way the rain, you know, the sound of the rain, and a lot of just. You know, that was pretty heavy-handed. I loved it, very dramatic, but it's it's pretty ostentatious. Yeah. All the lightning and, and the, the yeah. wind, and the wind. I mean, he, you know, there's a lot of wind in this movie. I remember, and it doesn't feel like a lot of the landscape looks beautiful, but also kind of sounds uninviting in a lot of ways. You know, right? It's not like a you don't. You, it never romanticizes going back to that core idea. It never romanticizes the idea of like wanting to live out in the frontier and right. you know live out west. Right? Yeah. Kind of yeah. Sick in the rain. Uh, you know, I, it's like I also think the time period this movie is taking place is really important because it takes place in like what the 1890s or something, right? Or? Yeah, I think it's po- I think it's post World War II. Right? Po- he talked about they talked about Lincoln Civil getting War? shot and everything. Post. I'm sorry, post Civil War. It's yes. post Civil War, which I think. <laughs> is real it's really really important because this is the idea of you know um, the um, this idea of uh, the american west uh, is starting to come back is starting to go down the tubes like the it, you know it's being replaced with industrialization and it, it's important from a timeline standpoint as well um okay two other things major things i thought of that i want to talk about one um did you hate the opening text and closing text as much as i did no. And how would you feel? No, I, it I liked it actually. I feel like it's super short. It says a lot without saying too much. It's, so it kind of reminds me of older westerns would sometimes have, I think, those kinds of. I guess there know, isn't a better way to do it scroll. because the only way you're going to do that is through voiceover, which is probably equally no, as clunky. I would not have wanted a voiceover in this movie. Fair enough. That would have been bad. I don't know. I just, um, I, and this is, goes back to, I mean, Star Wars does this, and that's like the most popular movie of all time. But sure. there's something about like, 
I don't know. Uh, title cards at the beginning of movies always make me like, oh boy, I need to like, I need to, I need to read a book before understanding what's going to happen. Come on, man. Yeah, it's not always the best thing. Uh, <laughs> it's usually not a good thing. It just feels very um, like I, I, I always wondered, and, and you know, one day I'll write a script good enough that I can feel like can, I can actually talk, <laughs> at, not talking out of my ass, but the idea of like the elegant writing, right? Elegant writing is never telling your audience anything. Right, um, right, but, right. And I, that, think, I mean, that's like rule number one in script writing is that you never do something like that. You, you tell that you tell those inf- that information in other ways, more creative, more subtle ways. But again, not the most subtle movie. So no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, title again, car, it's kind of everything uh, about the movie I, not subtle. <laughs> I also I feel like these are these are things. It's almost like they're short, like little stories that go. It's almost like a prologue and an epilogue. It doesn't necessarily impact. The movie itself—it's just sort of like uh, you know. A little, well, I guess it does tells you what happens. Edward, I, I just feel like yeah, there's sort of like um, just small, like I said, prologue, epilogue, just like wrapping things up. Um, I don't love them. Didn't hate them. Um, no, I'll say this: I love them in so far as the way they were worded. I think they were very like poetic, or something about them. I think is worded really well. Well, it's got um, that as far uh, as like it's got a starkness to it. Like it, it's yeah, yeah. It's not flowerly, you know. So. Yeah, I, I I like that about it, but it's one of those things. I, I haven't. I'm with you on that. Like it's always every time I see one, I'm like, oh, that guy couldn't figure out how to say that information in the movie. Like he had to do a title card. Um, the other major thing I want to talk about is the nature of this crime itself. And I mean, the whole movie is about like, is what is the proper punishment for doing bad things, right? right? And I the thing that I think is really interesting is how icky. The the, the 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 search for vengeance is not being led by the person being attacked, which I think is really interesting. Right. It's being led by the madam of this brothel, so to speak. And mm-hmm. they actually show the girl who was cut up, and she you can tell she's, like, not into it, really. Right. And yeah, I no. Think, In fact, well, she's, like, she's the, too the young scene, to care, almost. Well, I just think that she's ways. almost like she's seen violence, she's had enough of it, and I think... It, when that when the young guy comes back and offers her a pony like of his own stock and like for her personally to have it almost seems like she's very touched by that moment and she is okay with it and then you know uh what strawberry alice starts flinging mud at the guy and telling him to get the hell out and like they chase her off chase them off i feel like but what 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 do you okay i guess my larger question is what is what's her is her name alice is that her name uh the the madam yeah princess fisher yeah what is her motivation for pursuing it as hard as she's doing i mean she's spending all the money they've saved she's going around the law she knows she's going to do this to piss people off i feel what like, is her yeah, motivation? I feel like her thing is she sees her backstory her is in, in some way oh i don't think that at all you don't think that oh no i, I mean but mike what is your it's interesting I, these, I, so you I think, think it's, it's strictly like a maternal a time of being of being you know uh, trampled underfoot you know walked on by these guys but essentially they're you know their whole livelihood is letting men use them, right? So I feel like after a while that gets to you, and I think she's kind of had it with, you know, men making the rules, men deciding what's fair and unfair, and I think it's almost like her way of, of rebelling. So it's interesting because I wouldn't necessarily put her as, you know, the movie doesn't really have an actual hero hero. It has a lot of yeah. people with, comp- with conflicting um, motivations because I feel like she has, like, a, a she's seeking vengeance, mm-hmm. Um and and when you th- when you see like you know these two men die one on the toilet and then the other one's a kid and honestly that kid I mean what did he really he really didn't do anything wrong I think at one point he actually tries to hold the woman down while the guy cuts her right. but then doesn't he change his mind and then try to like tackle the guy I couldn't really see what happens then it seems like he wasn't like he had maybe a lapse of judgment for the most part he wasn't a bad kid he was in with the wrong crowd and he got shot in the stomach and bled out like it was just it didn't feel right and I feel like the fact that she hire both of those men to be killed. Um, right. I now, mean, granted, like, well, it, like I, I, it was a maiming. But I what's Mike, interesting, too, is that also, like, they, they talk about I think they see what it as an eye for an eye in some ways because, you know, what, but it's, th- th- this this girl is, is uh, they don't make her out to be someone who can do much more than being a, a prostitute. And, you know, so so her livelihood is ruined, so what is she going to do? Well, I mean, I, but, know? well, I mean, here's another thing. Like, I think that, I think Mike's, Mike is, hits it a little bit closer to the way I interpret her motivation because I don't think she really cares. I mean, she obviously has sisterhood with the people that she has to have this profession with, but I think it's much more about like proving a point that she has some form of power in this world, which is why she's doing this. Uh, But the thing I find most interesting is yes, this woman was attacked brutally, which is awful. And her face was all screwed up, which is kind of gross and horrific in its own right. But she's not, the injuries are not, are not are not so repulsive or horrifying 
that you, it's like it's you start. Yeah, she's head, still like, she's still beautiful, and I, like, I think her, that she I, has light scars. And I think that is really really intentional. Like it's not if she was any more destroyed, if she was any more ruined as a person because of this experience. I think that it would make the justification of killing these people feel better for the audience. And that's not the goal of the movie. It's to make every death in the movie feel gross, like to make you yeah, feel bad about everyone when, who dies. So when they when they first send them out, like when, when they basically put the warrant out to kill these guys, they, they say like they cut her fingers off, her ears, her breasts, her face, everything. She's completely disfigured. Everything but her cunning, I suppose. Uh, yeah, right. But like they, they make it out like they like they really really completely maim this woman. When you see her, she's like, oh, she's it's fine. interesting that it's, it's just a couple of light scars on her face. Like she healed very well, and I think she's still very attractive. So it's interesting that like they are making. I feel like they're making the killing even more egregious. Now I'm not I'm not saying that like those men are like, hey, they're good guys and they're misunderstood. They shouldn't have been killed. But when you look at like the the proportion, like I would have, I, I could have seen them if they said like go disfigure those men or do so, or cut off their hands or something like that. I feel like that would have been. I mean, this is it's still pretty grisly, but well, I think that's it's just, it's just an interesting question. Like, what is the when does violence? When does the proportion of violence equal violence? And that slippery slope of like, we, I mean, why, why violence and vengeance is so gross to begin with is because there's no way that ever ever feels right ever. Right. Well, it and makes it, us less yeah. human. It makes us into animals, and I think that's the thing. I think the movie is really pointing that out. Is that we. You know, with violence, we become animals, and you see what you know. Everybody, in some form, um, is is a killer. I think everyone kind of has their everyone's hands are dirty. Um, even the woman who got slashed, who's like an arguably the one of the more innocent ones, and and the, by her standing by and letting it happen, I mean she's also sort of guilty too. So it's just um, it's interesting, and, and that's why I feel so. One of the things, actually, as long as we're talking about her, let's talk about her character arc because at the end when Clint Eastwood rides off or after he like murders everybody and kills a whole room full of people and she like watches him go and she has this like face where she like on uh, she's looking at him in like admiration of like wow what a guy he just murdered a room full of people I, I like, didn't take it like that but like that but, but I also I don't she's like remember. smiling though <laughs> she's, smi- she's smiling she looked she she didn't look horrified it was like the face she looked at him like almost like so now I have to go back wow, and watch that, that again I thought it was just yeah, more was just like of, staring about like I remember her running up the stairs scared but uh, well at the very very end I think when he runs out of town or it's like when he's leaving and everyone's kind of watching him go and he's like you know riding off into the quote unquote sunset hmm. um, which of course sort of in this unsettled like, movie is him riding off in the rain in the, rain. In the dark like it, it is it is <laughs> yeah. Clint Eastwood is not painting with a uh, a fine brush he's painting with a very broad one but right. you know that's yeah, okay. It's okay though. I, I think there's you know there's a place for those kinds of movies. But no, I think, totally. But like Bob Ross, he makes beautiful art with his big brushes. He does. <laughs> I'm not saying the movie is bad. I, I think it's just a very defined kind of filmmaking. Yeah. And whether or not that jives with you or whatever, but I, I I think it is kind of interesting how he's just like every metaphor that I could possibly use in this movie, like obvious metaphor I'm going to use. Uh, let's talk about Gene Hackman, Dave's favorite actor. <laughs> Definitely one of them <laughs> for sure. I mean, we did Hoosiers. On this, uh, is you Mike mentioned that there is no hero in this movie, but I mean you could kind of. I think there's an argument that is little Bill a little bit of a hero. No, no, he's a ten. No, why not? Definitely not. I mean, he's as you know him. So he, ah. he's just so, doing his job, man. He's kind of keep order in the town. He <laughs> he's, punishes well, no, no, those no, no, guys. He's no, a little bit of a. He's a little bit of a uh, sociopath. I'm not a sociopath. How is he a sociopath? Not a sociopath. Well, the way he just enjoys hurting. Uh, uh, Yes. Uh, what's his name? Uh, English Bob. English Bob. Yes. I mean, that scene establishes. Haven't you ever wanted to like? Haven't him. you ever wanted out of spite like someone who's like thinks they're all that? Don't you just enjoy watching them come down from that? Yeah. Isn't that a natural human emotion? Yes, maybe. But but it's yeah, a little bit okay. So sadistic. Hate. Sadistic is is where I'm looking. Yeah, for. he's a little sadistic. He's, he's a sadist, right? He, he likes. It, 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 he enjoys control, right? I mean, it's totally. ob- it's obvious. I mean, his character is about someone who wants. You know, he says you can't have any guns in this town, but of course, everyone, all his friends and him, they they all have guns. So. I mean, that's to, that's so they can maintain the law. Like that that didn't bother me. It's just more of how he handles certain things. No, I I, I just think he's, I think he's the most uh, interesting character in the whole movie. They make him sympathetic for sure. I mean, yeah. Oh I yeah. Mean, it's uh, he's building a house, right? I'm, he just wants to live out in the country, right? Watch but, the sunset from the porch. But he doesn't. He really enjoys his job of being sheriff, and you get the sense that he actually enjoys the confrontations that he has to. You know that 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 happened when he has to, you know, I feel unquote, like clean up the town. Right? Of all the characters in the movie, Little Bill is the most interesting to me because he feels like a person that could exist very much now. Yeah, like just I know this kind of person that 
kind of thinks has a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, thinks they're better than everyone else, like definitely has a superiority complex, but also just really enjoys bringing other people down and enjoying the power he inflicts over people. And I think that of all the characters in the movie, the way he's written, I think he's the most engaging to watch. I think that sequ- I think the most tense sequence in the Thank entire you. movie is the one in the jail with English yep. Bob about whether or not he's going to shoot or not. Like, how good is that sequence? Fantastic. Um, and, um, and, you know, no one even shoots anybody. Like, literally not a bullet is fired. And I think that that's why the movie really works, because those moments are really great. And then, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think he's the most entertaining character. He's definitely not the hero. I just pose that just to be a dick. So but Gene Hackman has a natural likability to him. I mean, just... just I would say he has a natural... <laughs> well, I think he plays evil characters very well. Yeah, he's got a villainous face. It's his laugh, what? man. It's that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about a villainous face. In my just opinion. because of Hoosiers, that's the only one. <laughs> when has he been? I, a good... I think <laughs> when, when you're asking when, when else has he been like heroic? When is he a hero? Oh, the, the, one of his most famous movies, The French Connection. I've never seen that movie. <laughs> I just know of it. He won Best Actor for playing Popeye Doyle. Um, uh, what what other movies? Uh, I don't know. Give me a. Like, let's look at Clint Eastwood's uh, IMDb. Mean, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Gene Hackman's. I feel like he always plays a guy who's got a little bit of bad... Oh, I guess the conversation, he's not a bad guy. He plays, uh, oh, the Poseidon Adventure? Never or, seen, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> not a great movie, but... What's uh, the uh, what's the line from... Uh, the conversation? Uh, if you could cure cancer and kill a couple people while you did it, wouldn't you have to? Yeah, that's like... You're not God. I <laughs> know <laughs> we keep coming back. We, we, like we talked about that movie. We talk about it a lot, but I think that that image of Gene Hackman saying, wouldn't you have to kill a few people first is like the... A, Epitome, epitome of who uh, Gene Hackman is. Uh, yeah, I guess, I don't know, I've exhausted my talking points of Unforgiven. Anything else you guys <laughs> want to talk about this movie before we get the hell out of here? It's obviously a very good movie. Yeah. I just think whether or not you enjoy it is whether or not you like unsettled filmmaking. It's also not like the movie that you just want to sit down for a rollicking good time at the movies, man. Extreme but, measures. That's the. I know. We keep. Extreme, we need to, you know what? The final episode of this show, we are watching Extreme Measures. <laughs> That's the last 100. episode That's of the be show. That's very sad because then, like, there'll be nothing anyway. I have think you guys, that. Is, have either of you seen that movie? No. I've seen the trailer. I've we just seen, I have trailer seen. I, I saw Extreme Measures. Of course you have. Yeah. I saw it. Um, <laughs> In theaters. No. 1996. I saw everything. Oh, yeah, that's true. You, have, you have seen everything. and Well, in college especially. I mean, I, I was in college at the point. Anyway, uh, the, the one other thing I wanted to say was uh, that we, we talk about how this movie won. Oh, 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 and the Royal Tenenbaum. Sorry. Um, he's not a good guy in that, though. He, but he's definitely he meant plays to be sympathetic a, he, at the end. I don't think you can't have sympathy for him, but he's not like, he's, he's not, not a hero. He's not a villain. In that, but anyway. Sorry. He's a likable, cranky old man. So Clint Eastwood at the end of Unforgiven. You said old man like it was one word, a cranky old man. Like and Gary old, Oldman. So, Gar- Gary Oldman. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly up up until this final confrontation in Unforgiven, the movie is is uh you know making a lot making a lot of fuss. It, it, it's very concerned with violence and the effects of violence. But I think the movie kind of takes a turn when he finds out his friend has been killed, and then it almost wants you to. Um, it's almost like he's getting his superpowers when he starts drinking whiskey again, right? It's almost <laughs> like it's almost like he's turning into super Clint, Superman, right? He's, he's <coughs> putting uh, the band back. He's together. suddenly he's suddenly able to shoot straight. He's uh you know he's uh he can ride suddenly his horse becomes the, a problem. The, he becomes this legendary badass that that uh, everybody's been talking about in the movie, uh, in that scene, and, and and when he shows up in that uh, that bar at the end, you know I have to admit that I find that scene thrilling to watch no and i I, and and i don't i don't get turned i don't get turned off to the violence at that point i think you want him to shoot those guys you want him to shoot those guys i think that's the this movie works on a very meta level and it's kind of like it makes you almost feel a little bit guilt like i you were totally meant to be like yeah let's f these guys up clint let's like let's show them like like how bad you and me buddy let's do this thing when he's when he's like when he's like anyone who don't want to get shot ought to leave out back and everyone like files out like <laughs> right. it's, it's it's super badass right and you're supposed to want that but i think that's really important too because it also makes you questions like why do i want this right and uh i still feel kind of gross about wanting it but i still want him to do it yeah. like which is kind of interesting it's and part of me wonders how much i feel like there's a uh maybe clint eastwood didn't know entirely with this, with the story of the, like what the themes of the film were were really about, I think maybe there's a part of him that thought, okay, yes, we're going to talk about this, but really, it's going to be good for my brand. 
because I'm the guy that gets the gun and looks really cool killing people, you know, uh, a la Dirty Harry and, and all the other Western. I don't know. Stuff. That's an interesting question, and I don't know if it's. Um, I don't. I don't think that's the case. I think that he very much knows the movie is trying to make about what he's trying to say about death. But I think that you have to have your character regress into the man that he always said he wouldn't be anymore right. uh, in order for the movie to work like uh, like on a structural level. Like that's I, the arc of the movie. It's a regression, not a yeah. progression. Yeah. And the regression... I, I wanted to see there, I wanted to see him become a little more, because I agree with Dave, I think at the end, he's still very, like, you're like, he's a cool guy. Like, yeah, he's a badass. Look at him. And he did the right thing. He killed the bad guys. Like, all right, cool. What I really wanted to see was I wanted to see him become... And, and I, there's an argument that you could be made that where he is already like sort of like scary and nasty looking, but but he should have really been really ugly, like kill people, like innocent bystanders, maybe kill some of the prostitutes. He just like takes a baby, and he, eats a right. baby, and then like <laughs> shoots a dog. Like on the way out of town, he just shoots a dog. I'll come back and eat all your babies. <laughs> <laughs> right, because I think like the, the the point is that like he gets caught up in this blood frenzy and just kills everything. That, and he's a killing machine, but that's not a good thing because it kills innocent people. It kills people you care about. Well, right? they like they do cap off the scene with with that you know. Gene Hackman's not dead, right? And then uh, he has to shoot him right, right in the face. And he says, "This isn't fair. I was building a house. You I know, don't so deserve this. So this has got nothing to do with it." They do kind of upend the thrilling nature of the scene by throwing that in there instead of you know the bad guy like going, you know, you know, in a classic western, I feel like you know he would have been like, it's like a the when you're watching a horror movie in the in the bat in the. The creature like pops up at the end or whatever. And, and one more time. One more time. Was, yeah. He was really on the plane the entire time. Right. Go get him, Sigourney. No, my question for you is: Did you <laughs> expect him to die? Like, I, isn't it the more natural ending for him to die in that shootout? Yeah, with, I was expecting oh, him yeah, to. Oh, like he yeah. gets shot. Like he kills everyone, but mm-hmm. then he gets shot himself, and he bleeds out next to his dead friend, and he looks back, and this is the life that violence has begotten me. Doesn't right. that make more sense as an ending, or is it? Is I it, agree with you. Yeah, is it, is it smarter that that's not how it ends? Is it like? Is it more unexpected and more like anti anti like Hollywood movie if he gets to live with the weight of what he did? Like I don't know what yeah, the answer I don't to that know question. Either. Good question. Because like but we the, don't really final... see him with the weight of what he did. Like I, it's implied, and I guess for a movie that's not subtle, like I expected to see something more like that, where we're going to see. You they could have pulled the Grand Torino and... ending, where he just lies on the ground in the Christ pose. Oh, as yeah. like like that, like <laughs> like you, you know, if you know, I, I've seen the movie, so I know how it ends. But I was like, as I was watching this time, I'm like, I'm surprised he didn't go for that. And I don't know if it's really smart that he did. did sorry, really smart that he didn't do that or if it was a misstep. I think it kind of, in my head, I think it's a little bit more brilliant because I like this idea of thinking about this guy who has to then just go back to his kids like nothing has happened when he knows that he is that horrible person he said he wasn't. And I think that living with that is more depressing than dying as a hero and killing those men, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think in some ways it doesn't want you to be. He, well, yeah, I suppose that's right. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I feel like I feel like it could have gone either way. Right? That's the hard hitting analysis we like on this show. <laughs> I feel like it could have gone either way. They could have had him die at the end, and then we would be talking about what well, would it be more interesting if he had actually lived and had to live with his sins or whatever. You know, which which ending is more powerful? Uh, you know, I would just say that it, it's almost like they flipped a coin and said, "Should he live or die?" And he just it just came up. You know, and maybe that's what you know. Maybe that's what, the fact that I'm talking about that. This movie's very concerned with what's fair. You know, Gene Hackman says, this isn't fair at the end, you know. Uh, so, you know, you never know. I mean, who's to say what's fair? You know, it, it, is that that's uh, the ending we, we'd expect uh, for this type of movie, for, for the guy to actually have to die and pay for everything he's done. But uh, he doesn't. He goes home <laughs> to his kids, <laughs> to his kids. I can't imagine raising two kids in that little shack in the in the middle of nowhere. By the way, it's having to raise them on your own—that sounds pretty yeah. tough. And he's like, oh, "I'm going to be gone for two weeks, four-year-old. Good luck." <laughs> yeah. And then he walks away. Yeah, yeah. See if you can write off those it's pigs. It's equivalent of me leaving my son now and be like, "Okay, peace out, Max. I'll come back in two and a half weeks." Yeah, take care of the pigs. <laughs> take care of the pigs, buddy. <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, closing out this show, uh, Mike, uh, we, we actually got a request to do a movie, which we're going to get to, uh, but we want to do a Halloween one prior. We're going to try to do a Halloween episode prior, uh, Halloween-ish movie prior to uh, 
Halloween. Are you going to finish that no. sentence? You're going to keep saying the same part over and over again. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. We, uh, are we going to try to do an episode before Halloween? Because Halloween's on a Tuesday, I think. On a Tuesday. Yeah, but we have the extra week, don't we? It's not next week. It's the Yeah, I think there's time. I think there's double weeks. Okay. Yeah, I think we're good. Double weeks. Double weeks. Uh, yeah, we will do it uh, the week of the 23rd is the week we will I'm going to be, be out of town that week, so it'll have to be Thursday night. <laughs> you know, Dave, you can't do that. Thursday the 26th? Thursday the 26th. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. All it's right, a folks. date. You know, it's uh, going to be really awkward when we actually can't do it, and now we've kind of set in stone that we're doing it on yeah, that date. Yeah, that's going to be Mike. bad. can't have any things that come up that day. Uh, well, I mean, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, no one cares. Uh, Mike, what is... Uh, that's my philosophy in life now. Nobody gives a shit. Uh, Mike, no what is <laughs> your... Uh, what movie are we watching? You, what's your horror pick? Uh, so we're going to watch The Thing. Sweet, I've never seen it. I'm looking forward to it. Version, right? I haven't seen that or the remake. So wait, you really haven't? Oh wait, there's three versions of the thing, right? There's, there were there's, three. I thought there was just the well, remake the from 2011. John Carpenter one was a remake of an old. Oh, no one cares about that. I mean, come on. Someone cares. Guy who made it cares. Isn't he dead? I guarantee that guy's dead. <laughs> Does not care. I have Marsh. not seen the John Carpenter remake of the thing and I also have not seen the one starring Mary Elizabeth Winstead that came out in 2011 either and, so. uh, uh, this Joel is the Edgerton I love Joel Edgerton yeah. it's like in everything mm. anywho so this is the do- Kurt Russell version we're watching yeah right? I want to watch a movie where a man has hair so beautiful that it makes me weep <laughs> So that's, that's every Kurt Russell movie. Talking about an ugly movie, man. That, that gets ugly. <laughs> all right. Uh, whoa, shoot. This movie's rated as the top 250 movies of all time. What is Unforgiven? No, The Thing. The Thing? Does that surprise you? It's 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 pretty good. It's one of the few movies I've seen. Oh, you've seen, seen it? And, oh, I'm excited. Yeah. This better be the best thing I've ever watched. Jeez, oh, um, no pressure. Yeah, no pressure. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I know I know your taste in movies. It's got a lot of contenders. It's got to be. I don't know, man. Um, anywho, you'll you'll like it. I think you'll. Well, we'll, we'll find out. Also included in, in the next 1001 time. movies you must see before you die by Steven Schneider. No, oh, well, Steve. <laughs> if Steven Schneider said I have to see it, uh, Dave, where can people find you on the internet? On Twitter, Dave Glanz, G-L-A-N-Z, and DaveGlanzProductions.com. Uh, Mike, what about you? Find me on Twitter, Instagram, or on my website. Uh, username is Mike Mirandi, uh, and my website is MikeMirandi.com. Um, okay, cool. And I am Ivan Candy. You can find me on the internet at Lucky9Studios.com. That's Lucky, the number nine, Studios.com. Uh, I write and edit for the website shortoftheweek.com and Twitter at Ivan Kander, K-N-D-E-R. Uh, so that's how you can find us. Uh, be sure to like the show on Facebook if you'd be so inclined. That would be delightful. Facebook.com slash reviewed podcast. Uh, until next time, we will be doing, uh, until next time, we're going to be doing the thing. Uh, <laughs> what, is there anything I can get? Can I get Dave to give me a one more Clint Eastwood impression to take us out? Oh, God. <laughs> UB William. Someone set me up with a UB William money. UB William money? <laughs> That's right. Okay. I killed women and children. I killed everything that walks and crawls at one time or another. I'm here to kill you, little Bill. Oh, what God. you did to Ned. Oh, my God. So good. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Until next time. <laughs> Thanks, guys.